Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Support for today's show comes from Smile Direct Club. Smile Direct Club straightens your teeth for 60% less than braces with invisible aligners sent directly to you. And exclusive for our listeners, you can get $100 off your invisible aligners when you go to smiledirectclub.com slash podcast and use offer code unhappy. You'll also get a $25 Amazon gift card with a free 3D scan at one of their Smile shops or a $25 rebate on an at-home impression kit. That's smiledirectclub.com slash podcast, offer code unhappy. Now on with the show. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Mott. Why are you talking like that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to bring something different. Okay, well, we got it. Great. We're going to kick things off, as always, with Worst Things First, where I shout about the worst news of the week. After that, we're playing a game. <laughs> not bowl of shit talk, not elaborate. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. We're playing the Game of Thrones, bitch. This week, we are diving deep into what my life would be like if I lived in the world of Game of Thrones. A.K.A. Westeros. Is this an isolating deep dive? No, it's not. Because what this really means is what it'd be like for me to live in a world without electricity. Also, dragons. And finally, we've got two best friends, two comedians, two podcast co-hosts on the pod, Mateo Lane returns as a guest complainer, but this time he's coming on with Emma Willman. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's fuck our siblings and slay dragons and start the show. All right. Horse things first. The worst news of the week. First... In a story that is surprisingly not from Florida, a man in Painesville, Ohio, (laughs) foreshadowing Uh, uh. Painesville. Anyway, this dude is facing charges after getting into a fight with the manager of a local restaurant. Uh, But here's what happened. Police say they were called to the restaurant before noon on a Tuesday. It should be noted. (laughs) This is the a.m., According to police, the man had removed an iguana from his shirt, swung it around (laughs) by its tail, and then whipped it at the manager that he was fighting with. (laughs) 
I think the most upsetting part of the story is that the iguana had been in his shirt the entire <laughs> so <time>. long. <laughs> like it's one thing if you like carry it in and then get like, into on a display. Fight. Yeah, and then you use it as a weapon. But like the fact that he had it like sheathed <laughs> inside his shirt. I guess it, he got it back and then like ran away. So and then the store called nine one one. According to the 911 caller, the man was seen walking away in a hoodie and jeans with the iguana thrown over his shoulder. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just imagining him carrying the iguana like a sack of potatoes just, <laughs> over, just by the tail. <laughs> um, oh, that poor iguana never asked to do this. But then, yeah, he was charged with disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, and animal cruelty. Yeah. Or... Did. Is the iguana the mastermind behind this whole thing? Yeah, what if the iguana had been whispering into his ear the mm-hmm. entire time mm-hmm. and said, throw me? Yeah. The Painesville Police Department said officers have been calling the iguana copper. Why? Why? There's no good reason for that name. What it's about Nickel? Pun. What about Nickelback? <laughs> or what about Lil Bitch? <laughs> Anyway, the animal was taken to the Lake County Humane Society, and it will be checked for injuries since it was used as a flail. (laughs) Next! This story came out. I got a fucking New York Times alert about this one yesterday. You know it's going to be important. Scientists restored some activity in the brains of pigs that had been slaughtered hours before. Zombie pigs. No, 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 no. They're bacon now. Breaking news. Researchers removed the brains from 32 dead pigs and hours later restored some cellular activity. An ethicist called the brains partly alive. Mm -mm. No, no thanks. You know what we could use? Why don't you stop global warming before we (laughs) reanimate pigs? Before we create Frankenstein pigs that run around and chase our villagers? Why don't we do that first? So yeah, the 32 brains came from pigs killed for food at a local slaughterhouse, and then scientists put the brains into an apparatus, and then four hours later, they began pumping this, like, blood substitute through the organs, and it turns out, like, some of the cells, like, all the cells that got the, like, blood substitute were still kind of active compared to the ones that did not get the blood substitute. Don't like it. I don't know. It's just fucked up and we shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I the one the other thing that I was reading said that like the use it could be helpful for like stroke victims okay, okay. or things where like maybe your brain activity is affected in some way. But also the dead pigs are alive now. Next A firefighter in Rhode Island has been placed on leave after police say he walked naked into a 7-Eleven because he said he thought it was legal. (laughs) I don't know. I read the story at first and I was like, oh, I mean, I would let a firefighter walk in. It was a 60-year-old man. Police then found the car with two fully clothed occupants. Oh. Um. Ew, the 29-year-old passenger said she dared her boyfriend to go into the store nude. Okay, this took a turn. Yeah. You know what was more disturbing than this man just walking naked into the gas station? <laughs> a 29-year-old girlfriend? Yeah. Uh, yeah, just picture this. Rhode Island. <laughs> 29-year-old girl, her 60-year-old firefighter boyfriend. She's like, I dare you to go into that 7-Eleven with your dick out. And then he does it. That's it. That's That's the story. That's the picture. (laughs) And then he got arrested and charged with disorderly conduct. And finally, residents of a neighborhood in Jackson, Mississippi, are confused by the bowls of mashed potatoes they're finding on their cars, porches, and mailboxes. (laughs) This is a mystery I can get behind. There's a mystery mashed potatoer just wreaking havoc on the town of Jackson, Mississippi, or in a neighborhood near Jackson. One resident described the neighborhood as a quirky one. Residents decorate road signs. They put Christmas trees in potholes. What? Is is there a gas leak in this town? (laughs) Yeah, we're a real quirky town. We just fuck up our roads even more than they already are. 
<laughs> but I love how this person was like, yeah, we're, we're pretty quirky around here. Uh, so we don't know if this mashed potato thing is just a prank or if someone just had a lot of leftovers. <laughs> I love the idea of, like, some person having so much mashed potatoes over a period of time. (laughs) Just every day they have too much mashed potatoes and they just leave it out. A cereal mashed potatoer. But some residents fear that a more sinister message is behind the potatoes. Oh, God. Some people think uh, that the mashed potatoes were poison to kill animals, said one resident. (laughs) I didn't taste it. I have a three-second rule, so I didn't touch it. (laughs) What? (laughs) I feel like the three-second rule is not applicable to this situation. (laughs) Yeah, it, it really feels like a... The wrong standard to use in this situation. 100%. Also, it's bowls of mashed potatoes. That's what it says. So the three, it's not on the ground, sir. What I really am fascinated by what this man thinks the three second rule is. Also, it's the five second rule. (laughs) (laughs) So he just made up his own rule. You know what? This might be something we don't even know. All All of this is a mystery. Anyway, we may never know the answer to the mashed potato mystery. If you have any leads, please call in. We are accepting any and all information about this case. And that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next winter hath cometh. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. All right. So as we all know, Game of Thrones is back for the final season. If you don't watch it, that's fine. This deep dive will still make sense. But also, what are you even doing with your life? Okay. You've had almost a decade. It's a cultural phenomenon. Someone you know has an HBO password lying around somewhere. You're just being lazy. But this isn't about your poor choices in life. This is about me and what my life would look like in Game of Thrones times. Because as we know, Game of Thrones is based on a true story that Mm -hmm. took place in real life over a thousand years ago. Mm -hmm. So this is my life in Game of Thrones times. Okay, first of all, obviously I'd be born to a northern family, right? Oh yeah, you are of the north. Because this body is not made for the south. I need furs. I need capes. I need boots. I need Ikea blankets draped around my shoulders. All to withstand the crushing winter winds that killed the neighboring stable boy who taught me how to sword fight, if you know what I mean. His death was a real tragedy to me (laughs) because like my family, we would not be like a powerful house. I think we'd be like a middle, middle class house. Mm -hmm. Not not a lord. Well, I'd still be like a lord. You would still be a lord? Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'd be like a middle class house, (laughs) Um, but a still proud house, house Bellicide. We'd have, we'd have the sigil of a burning bush because we're gingers (laughs) and our pubes are red. (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> and our house, our our house words would be, "Feel the burn." <laughs> also, our house would probably be like a fortress, like a flat but wide fortress castle, like ranch style. Mm. You know, we would call it what Belfast. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, okay, I'd be like a second-born son, so technically I'd grow up in the shadow of my older brother, who would be the rightful heir to the family name and house. So my whole childhood and teenage years would be spent just trying to figure out, like, how to make a name for myself. Yeah. And Gareth, the neighbor stable boy, he would always tell me that, like, I, I make it out of here someday. While while we lay naked in the hay, in the last stall of the stables, which was where Gareth lived. Mm. Um, And I'd say, do you you mean it, Gareth? And he would pick the lice out of my ginger pubic hair. (laughs) 
because it was the year 700 and nobody had soap yet. And so we're all just covered in bugs and chlamydia. But that was intimacy. G- Gareth and I had something special. He was the best pubic lice picker I've ever met. And Gareth would say, I mean it, Matholomew. That, well, that was my birth name. Oh, right, of course. <laughs> Matholomew Belsai, second of his name, King of Queens. <laughs> But he'd say, go, go, he'd say, go to the city, tell your stories, Gareth would say. And then, one winter, the piercing winds blasted right through the walls of Belfast. And that that was the year my hamsters froze. Oh my god. Right in their pens, like little furry popsicles. And mother made us eat them. That would be the animal you were connected to, not a direwolf. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> a little hamster. <laughs> right. I could speak through animals, but only hamster, only small <laughs> rodents. Hey, that actually would probably be pretty great. Yeah, you could literally squirrel your way through wherever. Boom. Anyway, so I was super sad because my mom made me eat my hamster, my frozen-to-death hamster, just like a, like a fish stick, but uncooked. So, obviously, I went to the stables for my daily suck and cuddle in the hay with Gareth. Mm-hmm. And there he was, just huddled on the ground in our cuddle spot, looking cold, but still cute. And his throat was cut <gasps> wide open. Oh, my God. And then I, when I turned to run for help, a man was standing there and his face was covered, but it had like two different colored eyes. Mm-hmm, like a husky. And he smelled like sewage. So I knew he was from the city because that's where they just throw their shit out the window there. Yeah. Because nobody understands plumbing yet. But anyway, the two-eyed man was there, and he he said, I put him out of his misery. Two-eyed man? (laughs) Yeah. He's got two eyes. (laughs) What did you do? I was like, I'll I'll kill you for this. And I would have killed him right then. But also, like, I had a lot to eat that day. And my legs were starting to cramp, and my, like, stomach was kind of upset. And I slept weird the night before on my neck. You know, like, you have one of those sleeps. Yeah, I mean, especially when you don't have, like, a Casper mattress under you. (laughs) Right. No Gareth to hold me at night. So I was a real, it was a real bad sleep. So I couldn't, I couldn't attack him right then. And so he ran away. But I remembered those eyes. And I turned to Gareth's ice pop of a body on the ground. And I said, I'll avenge you, you sweet, sweet piece of ass. And then I plucked a few of his pubic lice. And I put them in a little pouch around my neck. And that day I I decided then and there that I would set out for the city right away. I didn't even say goodbye to my family because I knew they would try to stop me. I just went for it. So I stole one of our donkeys because, like I said, we weren't rich. Okay? We were not a horse family. You think everyone just has horses they can ride? No. We were a donkey family. Because my dad was always like, why why pay full price for a horse when you could get a donkey for half off? And then we could just return it right before the 90 days. Anyway, I stole a donkey. His name was Thunder. Because if you counted the seconds between when he hee-hawed and farted, (laughs) that's how many miles the nearest storm was. Wow. Yeah. So I set out with Thunder on the 3,000-mile journey to the city. And it took years. I did not pack lightly, obviously. I mean, there was an entire saddlebag just for my wigs. And I needed the wigs. I couldn't be seen on the streets in my normal appearance. People knew my face. They whispered about me. Ever since I disappeared from Belfast on the night that Gareth died, they suspected me of murdering him. Also, they called Gareth the Flaming Sword Swallower because he was gay and my pubes were ginger. On on the road with Thunder, they called me Flaming Saddle. So I needed to wear wigs to disguise myself in order to make it to the King's Courtyard Marriott alive. That's the name of the city, the King's Courtyard Marriott. And so along the way of this journey, I would stay at inns. I perform my stories on stage for pennies, wearing wigs and makeup, obviously. I'd also pad my hips. And I'd tape my ginger penis up into my butthole. And I'd go by the name Lady Mystique of House Sphincter. 
And all the men, they begged to bed me. And I was always clever, so I said no. Because what do we say to creepy straight men in the country? Not today. (laughs) But I'd convince them to buy me jewels and valuables in exchange for my exotic dances and stories. I was a beauty, a force. And every night I'd take my earnings and I'd pack them onto Thunder and we'd ride away to the next town. For years we did this. Until one day, I finally arrived on the outskirts of the King's Courtyard Marriott. And I snuck in with Thunder. We took up residence at the Ye Musty Crotch Apartments. YMCA. (laughs) Which is technically a communal hotel, but actually it's just where all the city homosexuals gather to masturbate and to get into fights over Ariana Grandstone of house fake tan bordering on blackface. (laughs) One of my favorite houses. <laughs> she was the, the country's leading bardstress. But every night at, at the Ye Musty Crotch Apartments, I would perform as Lady Mystique until one fateful night. I saw him in the corner, the two-eyed man, sipping, sipping from a straw in the shape of a penis. Because at this point, they still use straws. They don't know yet. They don't know how bad they are. Oh, no. And at this point, turtles... Roam the earth. <laughs> we haven't. Yeah, the, you're on a donkey. The person next to you on the road is on a turtle. Yeah, we we haven't fucked up the turtle population with straws yet. So I see the two-eyed man. His mask still covers his face, but I knew it was him because of his because of his eyes and smell. And I walked over and I worked my magic on him. I ground him like a tub of delicious donkey meat. And then he offered to take me to his room, and I accepted. And when we entered his cabin, I pulled out the blade that I always keep in the skin folds created by my tuck genitals. And I stabbed the two-eye man right in his heart. And I said, for Gareth, the flaming sword swallower. And as he fell, the two-eyed man's mast fell from his face. And I saw him, Gareth. No. My one true love. It was him all along, the two-eyed man. But you are dead, I told him. I saw you, and he said, no, you ginger-pubed idiot. I needed to get away. I loved you too much, and they were going to kill me. So I killed my brother instead and left him in my place, because we look exactly alike. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty fucked up thing to do, because he was your brother. I feel like there was probably a better way. And then Gareth, he picked picked one last little louse from my (laughs) ginger-pube. And he kissed me on the lips and died. And after that, I fell into a long simmering rage, motivated by depression and a desire for retaliation at all costs. The mad drag queen, they called me. But being a drag queen wouldn't be enough. I needed to be real queen. So I used my voluptuous, meaty thighs, and I seduced my way all the way to the top. I was irresistible. I was beautiful. I was charming. And the day I stood before the king and queen, the real king and queen, in the king's courtyard Marriott, I bent the knee, but only so I could take off both of my heels and plunge them directly into their skulls. Feel the burn, I'd shout. And I would be so fearsome and great that none of the king's guard would stop me. All would swear fealty to the burning gay bush. And I'd become the first homo queen of the realm. Martholomew, Mystique Belisai, first of their name, king of queens, queen of kings, swallower of swords, and the great burning gay bush. Long may I reign. Oh my god, that was a tale. I wrote that in like 20 minutes. Oh my god. What it's taken George R. R. Martin years. Years. Decades. That was magical. Yeah. Mystical. Anyway, that's it for this week's deep dive. Next we got Mateo Lane and Emma Wilman in the studio right after this commercial break. Support for today's show comes from Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA-certified organic company with meal plan options that include paleo, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, Mediterranean, heart smart, lean and clean, keto, gluten-free, and omnivore. Woo! 
With Green Chef, it's easy to eat well and discover new recipes every week that you'll love to cook. Enjoy clean ingredients you can trust that are seasonally sourced for peak freshness. Plus, these recipes are quick and easy. It comes with step-by-step instructions, chef tips, photos. It'll guide you all along. There's even pre-made measured sauces, dressings, and spices, so you get more flavor in less time, which is great for me when I'm under a deadline, a TV deadline. Barry and I are watching Game of Thrones on Sunday nights, which is the perfect time to cook a meal together. Thanks to Green Chef, we're able to whip up a meal with ease, like the roasted chicken and Spanish rice, which was both delicious and easy to make. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash unhappy. That's greenchef.us slash unhappy for $50 off your first box of Green Chef. My guest complainers today are a podcasting comedy duo, Mateo Lane and Emma Willman. They're both stand-up comedians, actors. Mateo, you may remember, was a guest on Unhappy Hour. Emma is an Unhappy Hour newbie. Both of them have specials on the comedy lineup on Netflix. Both can be seen on HBO's Crashing. And together they host the podcast Inside the Closet. Welcome, Mateo and Emma. Thank you so much. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you. We are in the mood. Yeah. For Mariah. <laughs> so we always start by asking everybody, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? I actually mm. don't remember what you what your answer was last time. I don't remember either, but I'm sure it was musically related <laughs> it and it's going to be was. musical again. Uh, okay. I really don't like saxophone solos and pop songs. <laughs> okay. That's like, a good one. I, look, <laughs> not controversial. You're like, not saying anything too dicey. He, well, you would think <laughs> you so, know. but you these days you say it and suddenly you know I, people I can't stand oh boy <laughs> well here's the thing is like I lo- so Lester Young is one of my favorite musicians of all time he's a jazz musician uh-huh. and there's a lot of saxophone use in that but when in the middle of like a like a Katy Perry pop song I, there's a it, to me it, maybe because I have synesthesia so I see weird colors when I hear music but it adds like a cheapness to it something mm-hmm. about it strikes me as all even in Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You God love Whitney Houston one of the greatest voices of all time I can't stand that but <laughs> and they're all this the guy playing the saxophone is trying to act like emotional. I'm like, right. just chill the fuck out. Yeah. All I right. like it. I That's like the saxophone things. But, but, uh, I, yeah, yeah. but I totally get the annoyance because it like breaks it up. Uh-huh. So I get the annoyance. Yeah. It stops the movement. Right. So I definitely am like a regular complainer. So I'm, I like complain a bit, a kvetch all the time. Sure. You you're, know, you're in the right place. Yeah. And I, this, this is like some, <laughs> so where I'm, my hang up, and I'm trying to be more grateful and do it less. Uh-huh, I really uh-huh. am. But, uh, you know, what's it's hard to think of something that like everybody even likes because things are so polarized right now. <laughs> yeah, that's you know true. what I mean. Like, what's something that like everyone like gets together? But I've actually got plenty of stuff that everybody likes. I've got lots of things I don't, I don't like, like. Cream in my carbonara because that's not real, right? But it's something. <laughs> yeah, but that most people like. This is something that so many people like. I don't uh-huh. want to say I hate it or the person, but I hate uh, watching it because it just reminds me of that they're on so many drugs. I hate watching anything with Robin Williams in it. <gasps> Yeah, because it makes me, especially the stuff where he was like really like struggling. Because when I see him, especially the stand up, it's like, woof. It just feels like that he just seems so coked up or manic. Right. That what it about makes Aladdin? Me I mean, you oh, just love he... Aladdin. I, mean, I know. I was yeah. trying to think of something. <laughs> I know. I was Robin trying to Williams. Like, Robin Williams in the bus. I'm a monster. I really reacted I like. I freaked out. Uh, yeah. I didn't know what to say. But it's, Could it's have been because worse. it makes you feel weird. Yeah. Or like I get I... that. There's actors that make me feel weird. Right. Especially if you know behind the scenes on stuff, you're like, you know that they were like in pain and unmedicated or whatever, or too medicated or whatever it is. And then you're like, ah, oh, I hate that. That's almost why gays love Britney or Liza. Right. We're like, I know. <laughs> know the pain she's going through and I'm drawn oh, yeah. towards right. her. Sure, and sure. still in, yeah. Yeah. I'm not in pain anymore. But they're still alive. I, if Rob, if Williams was still but alive, it's... I bet it wouldn't bug me. Like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, but now yeah. it's like, ah, everyone was kind of like, oh, we know he's manic, we know he's got drug problems. And he was he to... having drug problems his whole life? I don't I actually he... know much about him besides every movie he's done. I think he, I think it was like on and off for like a long time. Really? With the coke and sober and the not sober. I don't know. It, it sounds right. 
Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I can't even slightly speak on it. I and have no the, idea. Wasn't he bipolar? I don't know that either. I have his book. I just got to read it. <laughs> <laughs> so any right, day now. Step one, let's do that. No, that's a good one. I think, uh, yeah, especially as like a comedian performer, if having someone like that who is so idolized. Yeah, and, and knowing, is great, but yeah. then struggling. So it feels kind of like, it feels like I feel sensitive to something when it's like when everyone's like getting enjoyment out of a person, but they're like struggling so much and it's like we don't have the self control to be like you should stop or I'm going to tune out right like closing but the problem the is is sometimes especially when you're talking about artists or people creative people generally speaking and performers they are performing from the foundation a lot of times right. comes from that Totally struggling place, so <laughs> totally. it may we don't want it to stop because right. we're like that's great. Oh, and you know what? Like then when Chris Tucker found Jesus, his standup wasn't as good. But I'm all for finding God. <laughs> Normally, when oh. people find Jesus, things go down the tube. I'm yeah. all for it. Good for him. Right. Yeah. Well, I, this is interesting to me as as someone. It's like how much do you consider your on stage persona a persona? Is it a character? I've like, been thinking about that a lot. I almost had to separate myself. Like Liza. <laughs> <laughs> I said Liza once, when yeah. I go on stage. This is the real hand. All things <laughs> that I'm feeling and that I'm worrying about, I leave them on the side. And I go out there, I'm a hooker. I, I learned from uh, Drew Michael and Lisa Traeger, Chicago comics, that I yeah. came here from Chicago to New York with. And they sort of set me on a path of however you feel be that on stage mm -hmm. so be as it's almost like be as honest as possible so there, i mean of course honesty only goes so far i'm repeating jokes but if i'm feeling sad i go up with that energy if i'm feeling excited i go up with that energy uh it was a good lesson in the beginning for me so i really feel when i'm on stage i'm pretty close to who i think i am off stage maybe yeah. just heightened Right. Yeah, right. there's always, I mean, you know, then I was like, well, I'm in front of 200 people and there's lights. Right. Like, obviously, I'm going to be a yeah. little. But yeah, but but I try and keep it pretty close. But it's just weird because you it's are, of tricky. course, just saying punchlines. Right. It's, and it's, tr you know, it's, I, th I think it's definitely different for everyone because I think there's definitely something to be said too because then that can help make like a really consistent show or maybe helps separate you a little bit from it. So the w emotional wear and tear of people's reactions to you, it's always going to be unpredictable, but it like right. helps create a little bit of a buffer. Yeah. But I'm pretty much the same thing where it's like whatever I'm feeling definitely affects the way I'm presenting, not just affects, I allow it to affect because there's plenty of times where I'm not feeling one way, but I'm acting another way. Right. And sometimes you have better sets when you're angry. Right. But the, the kink is, sometimes I know that I try to, it's my energy is like much higher on stage, I would say. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, I try to curb the ADD. In person, <laughs> I'm like, oh, what's lasagna? Oh, but you know, like just all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And on stage, I can't do that. Otherwise, I'm going to give everybody a breakdown. Right. So I have to like, you know, have it much more structured. But to like, answer your question, so lasagna is a dish in Italy <laughs> and they make it many different ways. I prefer the northern way with the bechamel and it. the bolognese I recipe. literally was trying to Google the difference between ADD and ADHD and then two hours later I was like, I like lasagna. That's like what I discovered. <laughs> That's I great. Like, Do you want me to make you lasagna sometime? Please. It takes about four and a half hours. I would oh. love that. Me you guys want to come over for lasagna? Yes. yes. I w and I love cooking. You guys want to come over for lasagna? Everyone and is invited. And that's lasagna. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we had I could tell we have a lot of Italian food opinions in the room. Oh, I honestly could talk about Mariah Carey's voice <laughs> and pasta forever. Yeah. And Liza Minnelli. Right, right. Are you satisfied with the pasta situation in New York? Wow. Okay, so outside Good question. Of, I've never heard anyone ask that before ever. Outside of Italy. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, never we heard just, that. We're, I'm jumping on your yeah. ADD and oh, we're no. going just, on the lasagna yeah. train. I've never I, heard anyone ask that. I think outside of Italy, the best Italian food is in France and New York. Uh -huh. So, yes, the pasta here is extremely good. The Italian food is extremely good. So but we're playing ball as a city. Like, yes, we're in the game, majorly. There's a big difference, though, between New York pasta and Italy pasta. It is supremely better in Italy, but mm -hmm. to get the closest thing, there's a few restaurants that really do it. So Antica Pesa, the Trattoria in Williamsburg, they yeah. are really, really good. Uh, we went there. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, they're like... They was really it got it. It was amazing. Yeah. Oh, good. I, I also like ate things that I was like, I don't know, because I'm like, I'm I'm a chef boy RD. Me too. So, totally. You're Italian. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Like I love but Italian. Like, can't my like my mom thinks she's Italian. My dad's side of the family is the real Italians, right. and my mom Where's your is family the one who from? cooks. Uh, my dad always said his family was from both Naples and Sicily. That's what I am. Yeah. 
But who knows? The chef's swear part. For sure. <laughs> the part where they end up like. But then my mom is the cook, and like she's zero percent Italian. Right. So like she tr- she tries, but mm. she's gonna listen and fucking murder me. <laughs> What's your mom's Italian? Italian yeah. Debbie. Deb. Debbie. <laughs> Deb. That's a good. That you don't hear Debbie anymore. It's not a lot of Deb. I have an aunt Debbie. Yeah. It's a classic. It's De- a, yeah. It's like a, that generation of name. Debbie, I'll teach you. Call me. And I'll teach you a few dishes that are easy to make and will please the family. Yeah. Even though I'm sure your pasta's great. <laughs> but there were things that I ate at that restaurant where I'm like, I don't even what, know if I'm eating eat? this correctly. We had, um, <laughs> it was like a ball, I think it was like a ball of mozzarella, but it was wrapped in this like very thin, what I think is pastry, or it was a casing that you were supposed to like unwrap. Oh no. Either way, I ate the casing. And you just had to pretend you <laughs> knew fine. what you were doing. Like, oh, I, I love this part. Like and like, I think it was like a fork. very thin layer of puff pastry that's what it tasted like that's so or we we ate like a burlap (laughs) to think of not knowing if you're eating something right because i was like oh how many ways could it go wrong but like a lot well i went there once because i wanted carbonara which is my favorite meal of all time and they made it for us but it's not on the menu but they're roman and above the will make it and then the next time i went i went with a bunch of my italian friends like oh they got the best carbonara you can get it we go and it was some bitchy gay waiter oh no and he was italian so i was speaking italian to him and i was like we'd like carbonara he goes no and i was like why it's not on the menu and i was like okay i was like but last time they made it and he was like no and i was like all right so then i ordered cacio e pepe which is fine and as i'm eating it one of the other waiters recognized me they whispered and in the middle of my meal four bowls of carbonara came out <laughs> how did that they know that's power. what you ordered because I, I begged and then he said no and then the other guy was like pss, pss, and then they it was like oh he wanted carbonara and the chef's like I get wow. and then they made it for us and so I I felt like shit afterwards eating way too much pasta was the guy bitchy to you or he was bitchy no, to everybody no then all of a sudden he was nice ah that's the worst I didn't understand I was like I'm speaking Italian to you and I'm nice like what is why are you mean to me but that's like Italian waiters are rude mm. yeah especially New York I mean yeah. it's just like yeah that's the baseline to begin with so we have some, we have some <laughs> solid. I've dated a lot food. of Italians. All right, yeah, she yeah. likes Italians. I like a lot. that. How do they differ from everybody else dating wise? Um, imagine if I just said some like awful. Like I mean, <laughs> they smell. Well, they're all they like have too much hair. They're <laughs> shitty. <laughs> they, they, uh, you know what? Sometimes <laughs> I think I've dated like um, maybe four Italians. Okay, it, it's uh, tough to say, but I know like I usually like. Big, I the generalized like big personality. Uh-huh. I dated someone who was Italian and Jewish, which was very interesting. Yeah, because she definitely fell into the stereotype of both of those. Right. You know, but I liked that. Obviously, we were together for a long time. Um, but okay, I'm gonna say it, and I say it as someone who I dated. I'm not gonna be offended okay, at all. <laughs> this all, is total. You're right. This so there was a lot more um, yelling than I was used to. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of yelling. I've been told by my That's family. Accurate. Yeah, first like of all, a I, lot. My mom is also Mexican, so mm-hmm. I grew up on the same block as my first twenty-two cousins. <laughs> it just is a nonstop, <laughs> yeah. never-ending, just screaming, yelling. I mean, every restaurant we went to. Because by the way, if you're Italian or you're Mexican, you can't do anything without eighteen of your cousins coming with. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the time, every day. You know, so we've been told by many managers to shut up. <laughs> Just Many restaurant up. managers are like, you guys are too loud. We're like, we are? Right. Yeah. yeah Even yelling. in Family Guy, they made that joke. They're like, what would this, what's the secret? It's like, the secret is something that would, you would never hear. And he goes, what is it? That Italian family over there is behaving really well. <laughs> <laughs> they, they so. when I, even with the agreeing, because it was like I would, everything would start at a level ten. Mm-hmm. Like I remember coming back and she'd be like, "What happened at the meeting?" And I was like, "Oh, like n- nothing." Or no, I said I wanted to tell you. I mean, I want to tell you about the meeting. She's like, "Why? What happened?" I was like, "Oh, nothing happened. I just wanted to tell That's you." That's me. They had like everything bagels there, blah blah blah, nice spread. And she's like, "So what happened? What happened?" And, there, and I was like, "Nothing happened." But because of the yelling, I felt like I had to like produce something crazy. That I'd be like, "I, Colin, I shot a guy." I don't Colin know. Quinn pinpointed it exactly. Goes. Is it out of everyone, you know, all the ethnicities, Italians are the only ones. You tell them something, they hear two answers. <laughs> and it's true. I was sitting at brunch with Colin and I was like, oh my God. I'm like, you're right. Because anytime I hear something, I immediately think, or are they lying? Right. Or, or are they deceiving? Totally. Or are they? So it's really crazy you say that. It reminds me, totally. I walked past a couple on the street yesterday and one of them was like very passionately yelling at the other person but I genuinely couldn't tell if 
they were in a fight or if she right. was just recounting another argument totally but like, at the other person. Right. I genuinely couldn't tell. One time I asked about it, I said, why are you yelling at me right now? Why are we in an argument? She goes, I'm yelling at you because I'm Italian and I agree with you. And I was like, <laughs> is that what it is? I was, I, I actually have, um, I was trying to describe to someone what watching TV was like at my house growing up because I, I've seen the TV, but I've never actually heard a TV show mm. because everyone won't <laughs> shut the fuck up. Right. So the other week I was in Chicago and I flew in a day early because I was doing shows and I went to my grandma's house. So I was like, just bring the whole family there so we can see everybody get pizza, blah, blah. So I'm at my nana's house and there's six of us watching TV. My grandma loves hoarders. She's in her house coat with her moccasins and she's watching hoarders. <laughs> wow. And I, re- I literally recorded it on my phone because I was like, I've been sitting here for 20 minutes and I have not heard the TV yet and I had to get audio proof because everyone's screaming <laughs> at the TV. How does your family feel about using their shit in, in comedy? They get, they, he, all right, you want to know how that goes? When I was in Chicago, I was like, Ma, the family can come to the show but, you know, it's very stressful. I have four shows. They're back to back. Like, it's a sm- I, I, it's very Okay, well, I'll just send you the list of people coming. 32 people. <laughs> and I was like, all right, Ma. And then I had to tell the comedians, like, this green room after this show is going to be my family. And so my family's there. So they get mad if I don't talk about them. They really? Oh, they, they just wanted to hear about them. Right. They want to get roasted? It. Oh, yeah. My Uncle Mike, who is, I've made so many jokes about him. He's like, I'm going to tell you guys more jokes about me. I'm like, you're not the focus of my life 24-7, Uncle Mike. But they just want to hear about themselves. Yeah. My mom thinks it's, I talk about my mom a lot, but, and I talk about my sister a little bit, but my mom's just such a funny character. Mm-hmm. And then my dad's like a math teacher. Yeah. You know, there's just not, he, he, my dad's a funny guy, but my mom's just such more of a character. I think what makes her like confused is whatever the interaction is, I blow it out into such a like fantastical land that it's right. not accurate anymore. So I, she's, we've come, she's come to shows and then afterwards been like, how did you get that? From that, like I'm sincere, like that's not what happened at all. Like it'll be like one tiny little thing, and then I'll, the way I'll be telling, I'll be like, and then my mom, and just it's so exaggerated. But then I get bothered because afterwards people be like, your mom sounds so funny. Your mom should do comedy, and I want to be like, I fucking made it up. I'm a psychopath. I'm lying over here. It's not true. She, did, I'm writing it, but you can't, you know, you can't get mad. I still, at her mother is the most fascinating person. And she on the is face funny. Yeah, she's very like washy and uptight, Swedish, but very liberal. Swedish weaving. But Which she's, is we're a not Swedish. style of Swedish. They're not yep. Swedish, but she does it in Guatemala. Yeah. I don't I don't even first of all, I don't know what Swedish weaving it's is. A, it's a particular pattern. Okay. So she had a Swedish weaving yarn shop in Maine, where I'm from. And then now in Gua- she goes to Guatemala and does like she does Swedish weaving, they do Guatemalan weaving, and then she brings the clothes back and sells them. Okay. So she she's making full blown garments. Garments. Yeah. It's, she work for drag queens. They're very <laughs> little though, because she's little and Guatemalan women are traditionally little. Yeah. So she was coming back and she was like, oops, these aren't like normal sizes. Cause they're they fit people that are like five two. So she operate like That's all my mom like and a, my aunt. what is it called? Like a loom? Yes. Yeah, a loom. Nice. And in Guatemala, she said some of the women, if they can't have a loom, will like tie the string to a tree and then they like lean back to create the tension and like weave around that. It's all very cool. Yeah. It's it, it's a it's random. Right. That's for sure. And she hates comedy. She's so judgmental of show business <laughs> stuff. And I I'll really internalize that. But then I'm like, you are a Swedish weaver in Guatemala. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Right. Yeah. Right. She's like, Emma, you get your life together. Get it it's together. like you're yep. in fucking Guatemala making Swedish weaving. That and you're white as the driven snow. When crazy, I was on Crazy Ex Girlfriend last season and this season, and this was the final season of it. Yeah. So when it wrapped, my mom was like, What are you gonna do? You still gonna try to do show business? Like, what's go- what is, yes. what's going on? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I'm in it pretty deep now. So right. I was like, I'm torn. Like. Uh, most weekends until the next, you know, pretty deep. Pr- I was on like, a TV show, <laughs> but that she had wants wrapped you to up. quit while you're ahead. So she I was see. like, she's like, it's just go out you know, on top. What are you thinking? Like she, she. So I, and then I really like, I felt awful after that. And then I was, someone was like, Emma, what is, but what does your mom do? Is she like a banker or something? I was like, no, she's a fucking Swedish weaver in Guatemala. <laughs> you know, yeah. If you were like, which one's weirder, comedian or Swedish weaver in Guatemala? Toss up. Yeah, because at least comedian is like a, con- it's like a concept everyone can wrap their head right. around. But she is really good. That's not to belittle her. It's just no, to I'm, be I'm like, sure, a- she must be talented if she's going good. back and forth to Guatemala. Yeah. yeah, importing, exporting. It does sound like a very, just very stable work, very consistent, stable she's work. She's pretty retired, but she's doing this like, and then I, she gives the women fair wages. And I mean, I freaking hope she does. I hope she's not. <laughs> Your mother's swindling <laughs> Guatemalan women. 
coming out of money. She's running a ring down in Guatemala. She's so, she's very like liberal and like, so that would be like crazy. Yeah. But you know, you never know. You never know. Nice. I, I want to ask about how you started your podcast. Sure. What, sure. Is, the, what is the pod uh, origin story? Well, after we went on our first date, we realized yeah. it's not going to work. We might be better as friends. Yeah. Right. Um, no, we, we, you know, Emma and I, first of all, you know, you know this, in the world of stand-up, there's not a lot of, um, I mean, there's more than there's ever been. But especially like in the club scene in mm-hmm. New York, there's not a lot of queer or gay people doing stand-up. I mean, there's more than there's ever been. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more representation now. But it's dominated by straight people, which is fine, obviously. But it's like, you know... It is so what be, it is. being the far and few between, it's nice when you get to see other gay people. And, and Em and I would obviously we respect each other comedically, but we would always just like sit with each other and just chat and sort of like it's almost like you're fi- like like oh finally I get to it's like it's a little bit of a fact check on like the bizarreness of this right. whole situation. And then we did uh, Keith and the girl had reached out to us and we're like we're doing a test episode. Do you guys want to do something? So we did that for a month. And then a year later, we were like, let's let's bring it back. Yeah. And then we started doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on the note of yeah, gay comics in New York, we're coming out of that phase of everybody who's gay just automatically being an alternative comic. Right. So, absolutely. <laughs> but there's still like most people who are like gay comics in New York are still in the more alternative absolutely. spaces. Like I yeah. could go months being at... I'm, like the clubs and not seeing another gay comic. Yeah, I actually. think the only besides the seller, then the, there's yeah, the always... seller seems to be the most diverse. It's yeah, got Jessica Kirsten and Judy Gold, and Gina it's got Yasher. you, me, Gina Yasher, uh, Jabuki works there. Um, Mayron, Mayron, Kagan. Yeah, I mean it's got uh, uh, Rick Chrome. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, at the seller, I as a club, uh, but you know I have to say, I mean. All the clubs have been great. No club has ever said no because I'm gay. Right. It's just right. I think that it it for some reason I don't know why that is. For some reason there's less gay comics at clubs. I don't there know why. There was this guy. The, there was this guy at the comic strip. He's now dead, but I remember he God. was really he was. There was this female comic friend of mine who he was like really hitting on. She was like this guy like calls me all the time like late at night and da da da. Bob. And she was like, I want to introduce you to him. And right when I met him, I was like, ooh, I was like, hey, when you introduce me to him, play down how close friends we are. Because if he's hitting on you and then you're not like into it, he might then feel threatened by it. And she was like, no, I'm going to tell him like you're my best friend. Like you're great. You're so funny. And I was like, oh. And then she was like, oh, my oh my God, like you got to be my friend Emma. And then he was like, oh. And then she was like, I begged him for an audition. I, don't, I was so surprised he was weird about it. I was like, I'm telling this. I'm getting bad vibes from this guy. And then I remember having a really good audition. And I usually am always like, oh, that sucks. That was, I remember it was really good. And then he was like, why should she try so hard to look so gay? He used the word dykey. And I was like, woof. This is the same guy that I've known a few comedians of color that went by. And he was like, oh, the Black Knight's on Tuesday or, you know, whatever. Um, so he's just a piece of shit. Yeah. And he died, you know. <laughs> From that, I'm not making this comment. You know, it is what it is. I mean, I still get it's weird because we were talking about this earlier, where it's but that like, was the most blatant. Like, you know, we are finding acceptance in uh, quote unquote mainstream comedy clubs, traditional stand up, not alt comedy, and it's really exciting. But then still, there's like a even in every angle, there's still some kind of backlash. Like, right. there's gay people who were telling me I'm I'm not the right kind of gay. I shouldn't act like this. I shouldn't dr- look like this. My Instagram, it's and that. And then you get straight people saying the same thing, and it's like, well, who am I supposed to be? Can I right. just can no one else is going through this identity crisis and carrying the weight of their community's shoulder uh, on their shoulders? Can I just be me and it's fine? Yeah. It's also okay to not agree with every just because I'm gay. I'm not anyone's leader. I'm just, I love my community and can I just be myself? Right, right. I think that's what all like marginalized groups are probably like pushing towards because like it's such a privilege when someone does get to just be themselves. That's like they're like on top of the privilege heap, you know, when people aren't like putting on you everybody else. Like Mm -hmm. when you just get to be the individual, that's like, you know, that's. Yeah, yeah. That's the. Right. I mean, yeah, these are the things that all straight white comics like don't have to think about. Right. Right. Ever. I mean, obviously, I want to be a good representation of our community. Who says you shouldn't look the way you look? Oh, my God. So many people I've gotten so many trolled on Instagram. Like, that's not what a comedian's supposed to look like. And you're narcissistic. Uh... And yes, I am narcissistic. (laughs) I but also also, so is everybody. So is Instagram. Instagram. Like anything I put up on Instagram, the only purpose is to like 
am I going to get likes? Bob the Drag Queen said that to me. He was like, people are like, oh, you know, if you're an attention or yes, I am doing this to get attention. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, there's no shame in that. But um, I'm not hurting anybody. Bob just dressed me up as Liza. I did 73 questions with Liza Minnelli. And actually looked yeah. very good. And Bob, I look just like her. I kept the <laughs> yeah. mustache, but I really do look just like Liza. Yeah. And so we did like a whole, we were walking around Mitch's house. And, I think the mustache is fitting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's, uh, yes. Um, no comment. I won't, I don't, I won't anger any Liza Minnelli stands. I don't um, know if they listen to podcasts. <laughs> probably not. Speaking of angering people, mm. both of you aren't on Twitter. I, I knew you weren't on Twitter, Emma. Yeah, I'm not on Twitter, but th- so I'm, I love Instagram. I love Facebook. I've got, I've got the professional page, then two personal pages that are both like just maxed out. And I do the professional one and I love Instagram, but Twitter, I never got the hang of it. And then, um, my email, my iCloud got hacked. I think maybe now it was like five months ago. Oh no. And my, my Instagram and Facebook got hacked from that. And I was able to get my Instagram and Facebook back. And then Twitter, I never ended up getting back and I was never that active on it. So I just have stayed logged out. That's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, but I was never like Mateo's funny on Twitter. Yeah. So like when I would log onto Twitter, I would check the news, retweet if someone tweeted me, and then I would look at his one and then my friend Carly's one and I would like laugh at their tweets. So you did jokes on there and were just like funny on it. Yeah, I tried to. I never did that. Most comedians put up their stand up and stuff. So I thought Mike Pence was trending and I did a bit about Mike Pence on Comedy Central a couple months ago. Uh-huh. So I thought, you know what? I'll be like one of the comedians. Yeah, retweet put, yourself. I'll put my I'll put my bit up. So I did. And it went really well first. It blew up. It had like 200,000 views for a day. And I thought, wow, this is actually really fun. Like people get to see my me do stand up. And I'm sure they either think I'm just like a thought or like I just do X-Men drawings. Like they don't, you know, some people don't know I do com- or they think I'm Kyle Griffin. So um, <laughs> then, um, so my bit was exactly, I, I we were supposed to be talking about politics and they were talking about conversion therapy and Mike Pence. Because it was a topical show. So they would send you show. the topics before. So it was so, like. Right. So and I said, okay, so based off my own fear growing up Catholic, Irish, Italian, Mexican, um, I was like, let's like, how could I make this funny? Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. how, you know, and I was the only gay on that show. So I was like, I feel more comfortable talking about this. So I thought, you know what, Mike Pence, you want to send me to gay prison? Sign me up. All right. I will just have a great time and we'll sing the music from Chicago. Do your worst, you know, <laughs> really trying to just one, deal with my own pain. Anyways, I posted it and then all the tweets started coming in and people were like, you're dangerous and you're not thinking about Chechnya and you're not thinking about where it's illegal to be gay and blah, blah, blah. And, and then it just Oof. was like nonstop. And, and, you know, I read it and I thought, OK, they all have a point. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I was just trying to be funny that's what a comedian does i was not trying to be insensitive for them but people felt that way so i totally understood and you want to take people's thoughts into consideration but then it but at the same time i'm also very overwhelmed comedian and comedians are supposed to take things that are controversial and how would you know i understand what they were saying yeah yeah so but i but but what's so funny is that like the the it was so much hatred coming towards me I, even Joel Kambooser texted me. He's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "I'm fine, Joel. I'm fine." Oh but I really wasn't fine because I thought I'm 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 a person who's really insecure, and I really want people to like me. I yeah. mean, that's something that it's it's I'm working on. But um, I was I realized I was take putting too much thought into what people were people I don't know, right? Who, and also people who have no idea I'm a comedian. People have no idea who I am. Just mm-hmm. seeing someone with a lot of followers tweet it, and they just jump on. And not to say that their points aren't valid. Everyone should. Everyone's opinion is. And they is, were saying extreme stuff because there were, yes. you know, there were some people that were like, um, you know, I try, I went to conversion therapy and I tried to kill myself. And then adding in Mateo, of course, he's. That's a pretty hard thing to blow off. It's hard right. to be like, well, I just have to, you know what I mean? Like that's right. a lot to absorb. And I'm not someone who's trying to like. I'm not gonna. Anyways, so I was like, you know what? He, uh, above all, I'm involved in something that's making me feel bad about myself. Right. Yeah, and I'm involved in something that I see when you really look at Twitter. It's just a place for people to kind of complain at. And I really follow the Gloria Steinem method of like, if we're gonna have conversations, all of our senses have to be aligned. So mm. you know, I just kind of was like, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna say anything. I even talked to Bianca Del Rio about it. I called her <laughs> and I was like, how do you deal with this when you say something and people take it the wrong way? But everyone deals with something the wrong way. And so right. I thought, I'm just going to get off Twitter because it's not bringing me any joy. And I 
just that's it. I hope it's a break, just a temporary break. I know. And Joan Rivers would be so mad at me. And I'm sure she's rolling in her (laughs) grave. And I'm sure she's furious at me. And, you know, she never apologized for joke. But, you know, I'm a different person and I'm sensitive. And I just thought, okay, if people aren't happy to hear what I have to say, then I won't say anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think when you feel really, at least for me, if I feel really confident in something, if someone critiques it, I'll be like, oh, I want to take that into consideration. But it doesn't like, you know, I don't absorb it the same way it's not going on to an insecure like if it's something you feel insecure about and someone points it out then you're like oh god because you right. feel you see the truth in it for me that happened when i did colbert again there was a couple things i said that i was like i don't think i'm like setting this up right in a shorter set and then so i went down the rabbit hole of youtube comments mm. and there were definitely more harsher comments on this one than anything else i've ever done yeah and i actually really loved the material on some of it it was just the way i set it up made me like, I just couldn't um, disengage from reading YouTube. I spent, there was this one guy that just kept writing that I was a fat Alan over and over and over and over and over again. And I was starting to engage with him. Like, I was like, Alan has a trainer. You know, what am I doing? <laughs> He's probably eight years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck am I doing? Right. 5 a.m., like, being like, I hope you know I went to grad school. Like, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> so yeah. I had to cut myself off from YouTube. Yeah, yeah. For a little bit. And then yeah. I love you. I love interacting with people on there, too. So... Now I'm back, but it's just like sometimes you got to take a minute. Yeah. So I think right now I'm just like, although I feel a lot better. I'm not looking at my phone as much and I'm not like anxious. I was anxious all the time. Yeah, I've I've like I you still have a am huge on Twitter, following on Twitter, but I don't like use it a whole lot. It's not. Do you ever get like hate for the things you say in this show? No, not really. <laughs> That's wow. good. I guess I'm really. <laughs> no, I mean, I have always said like I eased it because when I start, like I started as a writer at BuzzFeed and when I first started and I would get like someone would hate something that I wrote. They would say like, I hate BuzzFeed. I hate this article. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. You were and then the more time, by... yeah, the more time that passed, they would start saying like, I hate this writer. I see his stuff. <laughs> and then it was like, I hate Matt. And then like right. when I started doing. When then I they're knocking on, on your door. Camera more. Yeah. It, like, like by the time it got personal, I was so like dead right. that like it was fine. Right, you already right. killed me. Yeah, and also I've said this before, but the like meanest shit that I would get would be from like teenage girls who didn't like Oof. my like Harry Styles opinions. Oh so um, it was always They're like vicious. I mean they would say the worst stuff, but it felt like I was I didn't feel personally threatened, right. which right. is not always the case. Right. So. I I do okay. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But it's a terrifying place, and I always ab- avoid. I never read the YouTube comments. Oh, really? My aunt Cindy actually un- unknowingly described all of social media the best way. She came downstairs and she's like, "Guys," I'm like, "Yeah." She goes, um, "I just went on YouTube to try and figure out how to tie a tie, and the first comment was, "Shut up, faggot." <laughs> And she goes, what does that have to do with tying a tie? And I was like, you just described the internet exactly right. Well, before I let you both go, where can people find you and your work? Not on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at. I I keep everything at emmacomedy.com and then my Instagram. And I'm on the road a lot. Um, Like uh, just doing Indiana uh, Michigan. Just, I'm just traveling. Vegas. You know, I'm around. So yeah. uh, check the website because I might be in a city near you. Yeah, yeah. same here. MateoLaneComedy.com and I'm Mateo Lane on Instagram. I post my butt and drawings. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Thrilling. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad stuff go down easier. Start with the TV we've been watching this week. Barry, what you been watching? I've been watching Barry. Oh. Myself. I've just been staring at myself in the mirror. Gross. No. Canceled. Um, <laughs> uh, I love Barry, the show on HBO about a hitman who finds out he wants to be an actor. Uh, and the second season started and it's uh, it's on the same night as Veep. So and as Game of Thrones, it's a great, great night of the week. But I've been super, very, very much enjoying this season. Really like it a lot. Just some incredible comedic acting on that show it is good yeah so that's what i've been watching how about you um obviously i've been watching homecoming the beyonce documentary yes i mean it's a concert movie yes (laughs) with behind the scenes footage which is amazing uh because i had yet to see the entire beyonce coachella performance same i'm gonna watch it at my parents house this weekend um yeah where there's a much bigger tv for me to enjoy and a much better sound system 
try to really capture all of it. It is. I... Every time anything big Beyonce related happens, all of the like slimy anti Beyonce people crawl out of the holes that they live in just to voice their dumbass opinions. And I'm friends with people who were like, I completely thought that Beyonce was starring in like some Egyptian themed movie. <laughs> I didn't realize, like, truly no idea what Homecoming was <laughs> about. Because I was like, First of all, you need to respect that this is the greatest live performance ever in the history of mankind. Amen. And this is Easter weekend. I'll say that. Okay. <laughs> Jesus was nailed to the cross. Maybe a close second. <laughs> I mean, three days later, Jesus rose up. So Yeah. She rose up and did it again in a different in different costumes. Wow. If you truly don't know, Homecoming is the live taping of Beyonce's iconic, legendary, historic performance at Coachella last year, Beachella, the new name. She was the first black woman ever to headline Coachella. And it is one of truly the greatest live performance of all time. That is not me being exaggerated. But it's actually, um, I still haven't watched the entire thing. I'm like parsing it out. Mm -hmm. I can only handle a little bit at a time. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. But it is about the making of in between. So there's the entire thing. But in between it, there's like bits about the making of. And it is, I mean, to be serious, it is fascinating to actually watch like how much goes into creating that because obviously i mean i still think if i put in the same amount of work obviously i would not be beyonce like she is still (laughs) she is still a deity but there is something to be said about like she is who she is because of the amount of work that goes into it yeah so yeah I think the, like, not not even, like, Backlash is giving it too much credit. The, like, anti-Beyonce sentiment is that she can just stand there and people would lose their minds. And that is true. (laughs) But also, like, she she worked fucking hard to get to that point so that we would do that. Yeah. And also, she's not just standing there. Right. Like, she could have. She could have just gone on stage and people would have freaked out, but no. Our performance. A two-hour performance. And it has a fucking message. It's amazing. I can't wait to watch. Anyway, I could talk about that for hours, (laughs) longer than the actual thing. What is your non-TV chaser? Um, My non-TV chaser is a podcast. So first, a little humble brag, I'm I'm trying to learn how to jog again. (laughs) So I started Couch to 5K, but I will only... I I have to, like, incentivize myself to go for a jog. There's a scripted podcast that came out in January called Gay Future. And it is a comedy fiction podcast that is so weird and funny. Each episode is about a half hour long. And it is a dystopian future where the gay agenda rules the world and the president (laughs) is Clay Aiken. I don't like how you say dystopian. (laughs) Utopian? Utopian. Um, no, but then it's it's really bizarre and fun. And Io, who's a comedian who I've seen perform around Brooklyn a bunch, and she plays one of the main characters and she's fucking incredible. Um, and it's just, it's so weird and funny and I really enjoy listening, but I will only allow myself to listen to it while jogging slash mostly walking because it's like the same exact time that Couch to 5K makes me do it. So... That's my it's like it's a mix of gay future makes me really happy. But then also I think the jogging helps me be happier. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's a double whammy chaser for you this week. I got a gravity blanket. (gasps) And I'm I'm surprised you came here today. (laughs) (laughs) I yeah, I got a weighted blanket, gravity blanket. If you don't know, it is a heavy ass fuck blanket. (laughs) And it comes from, I guess it was initially used in like ther- as a type of therapy for people with anxiety mm-hmm. or like autism, maybe to like have the feeling of being like hugged. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like a super heavy blanket. And now it's becoming far more popular 
and you can just buy it on the internet. And I got one. It was kind of expensive, though. They're like 150 bucks. At right, least. right. It is way heavier than I thought. Yeah. The one thing I was worried about was that it would be super hot. Right. I'm like a sweater. Yeah. Normally. But it's almost like cooling. Huh. The one that I got, it's like a quilt thing. And in each little quilt pouch, there's like glass beads. Oh, okay. So I think it's like I have my fan blowing and I think it like cools down the glass the glass, and it actually feels cool. Ooh. I've only had it for a couple of nights at this point. I would give it like a B at this point. Like I, so many people were like, this will change your fucking life. <laughs> you will wake up in the morning feeling like God. <laughs> and I, I, maybe it's because I also have like a body pillow right. that I like will snug. Uh-huh. So, like, the weight distribution of the blanket, it's, like, not... I feel like it is most effective when you're, like, trapped a beneath back it. A sleeper, not a side sleeper. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out the way it works for me. But right. it does... Well, like th- with every new relationship. Right. This is it. I'm in a committed relationship with a gravity blanket. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to work it out. I believe in us. Thanks for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Media. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our editors are Dina Kleiner and Josh Gwynn. Music by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at FinkelBarryPie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. That's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye. You wake up. Flawless. Post up. Flawless. Round, round it out. Flawless. Flossing on it. Flawless. Flawless.